Welcome to the TT Podcast. This is TT Rewind. And for those people leaving comments, asking what we've done to Steve, we've not done anything to him. He's simply a very busy man. It's hard to pin him down. We've tried numerous times. But rest assured, brand new TT episodes are on the horizon. But until then, we're going to rewind back in time to when we spoke to Jamie Coward. Jamie is considered the fastest privateer. The question on everybody's lips is when is this guy going to get a factory ride to prove exactly what he's capable of? But as you'll hear from Jamie, it sounds like he doesn't need that. He's got everything he needs in that team. However, in my opinion, it will be very interesting to see what he could do on a fully fledged, full factory bike with that extra additional support that you'd get from a factory. But anyway, less about that. We can talk about that next time we get him on and TT 2024. But until then, let's head back in time when we sat down with Jamie Coward. Our guest for today's episode of the TT Podcast is Jamie Coward. Since making his TT debut back in 2013, he's gradually risen through the ranks of the TT paddock to become a regular top 10 contender. But unlike most of our other podcast guests so far, it's not been done with the support of big teams or as a professional racer. It's been done whilst holding down a full-time job and going racing on the weekends as the ultimate privateer racer. Now a podium finisher and a member of the illustrious 130 mile an hour club, can he make the next step up and become one of the TT's biggest stars? Let's find out, Steve, as we introduce and welcome Jamie Coward. Jamie, how are you? I'm fantastic, Tyler. How are you? I'm not, yep, first time somebody's asked me that on uh, this on this podcast. Thanks, mate. I'm really well. Nice I always ask you, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's the Yorkshire in him, though. That's, that's what, that's true, what I thought. Very true. Thought, yes. true gentleman. Yeah, I'm great, thank you. How are you, Steve? Tip top, thanks. Yeah, nice little ride over on the on the bike this morning. Yeah. Nice bit of sunshine. So happy as Larry. Good. Let's get into this, Jamie. First question we always ask every guest, and obviously you've listened to a few of these podcasts, so you already know this question's yeah. coming. We're lining up on the on the start line. We roll through. Getting that tap on that shoulder. Just took a big deep breath and thinking about it. <laughs> I think most people do when they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as soon yeah, as you yeah. as soon as you get it in your head, you you know you start to feel it. Yeah. What is going through your mind at that moment? Uh, it's it's, it's uh, difficult really. Obviously, you're very very nervous. I, I'm I'm really really nervous. And, and as Steve knows, as soon as you set off down the hill, that them nerves go. But you're just concentrating on your job, uh, thanking your team, shaking their hands, and just making sure everything's all right and. Just keeping yourself up to it's it's difficult one. It's just getting yourself used to uh, the the surroundings and the people and stuff. And you just get yourself psyched up, ready to go. Has it changed throughout the years you've been there? Yeah, initially when I first went, uh, it were weren't as nervous because you didn't really uh, expect to achieve anything. But it's, as as you've gone on in time and have progressed, I've it's you get into like said podium finishes now and then in the top five, top ten finishes and 130 mile hour and stuff. So it's You've got a bit of a like weight on your shoulders and expectations, I suppose, but it, it gets a bit more uh, difficult as you get further up the ranks. Before we go back in time and we, you know, discuss how you've managed to get to where you've got to, um, I've totally forgot what I was going to say. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say was, how does the pressure change between you go there and you don't really know the course as a as a as a newcomer? How does the pressure change from that to now being a contender for the podium? 
is there more pressure or less pressure? There's less less pressure when you first initially go. Like so I, I worked at the Manx and I first ever went, so you just literally go in there for bike time and ride around and just learn the circuit. So it's there's no pressure at all from anybody. You're just going with there with your family, and now obviously we're in a team and they've got team sponsors and uh, things to look at or people to uh, what's the word? It's people to uh, I cannot not what's the word? Uh, don't ask us. I don't, I don't even know myself. <laughs> but you've got, pe- you've got people, not to impress, but you've got people to, obviously people are putting money into teams, so you've got to try and get good results them and mm-hmm. publi- publi- or publi- uh, publicise that's one, publicise them, you know. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's when you get to that sort of stage where that's where the pressure comes from, you know. It's uh, not so much from the team, but it's just in, just it's impressing people and publicising the team sponsors and just getting making the, them, their presence kind of thing felt felt. Just on that last question, you know, from Chris about coming to the TT, obviously, for the first time, do you think it really helps going to the Manx first? Obviously, you were competitive at the Manx, but because you're probably not, as a newcomer at the TT, going to be as competitive with the, with the top boys, yeah, yeah. does that make it a little bit easier for you? Uh, I, I found... I've, I I got told to go that way just because... I didn't get told, but I got, I, uh, my dad, he went there, so I was going... It was cheaper, for, obviously, for us to go there and me jumping the van with my dad with my bike instead of having to go myself. So, but it's uh, yeah, I think I think the pressure there's not as much pressure at the Manx. You know, you just get to go there a bit of an holiday and enjoy yourself, ride around. Whereas the TT, if you need to make a mark, you, when you go as a newcomer, you kind of feel pressure to to try and get that newcomer's record or new not record but newcomer's prize or be the best newcomer there. You know, so whereas in the Manx, there's not there's not as much pressure. You just go there as a bit of an holiday, ride around, and then just enjoy yourself. Just just on that, you know, on on your father. Um, I know very little about him, really. Just tell us a little bit about his background and what got you into racing. Yeah, him um, dad's Paul, uh, Paul Coward. He, he, he raced in Ireland quite a lot. Did uh, He was a 350 uh, Irish Road Race Championship, or won that. And he actually was the best newcomer, I think it was 1999, TT, on a 750 Kawasaki. And then he uh, did the Ulster Grand Prix, he did all the big road races. But he never took it. His, uh, I think he, he got he got started later in his on his in his career. So he never really got took under someone's wing or into a team or anything. So he was just doing it all himself. But he just enjoyed going on himself and just riding his bikes and stuff. But he did. He had some good achievements and accomplishments, you know. So and uh, I just I just remember going uh, from my first ever experience or memory from actually going with my dad was it, I think it was like the 1996 Scarborough uh, Gold Cup event there were a massive massive amount of crowd there and they were like Agostini Joy Dunlop were there and I were only six at the time and my idol and my, my heroes uh, Joy Dunlop had just been there watching him and, and uh, I remember going and getting a photo of him I still got the photo on out to this day and uh, Lee with a little blonde hair and sun next to Joy like that and uh, <laughs> it's just but that, that's the first I remember I got from going with my dad you know it's just just them sort of experiences you don't get you know I just I, it's, it's from that I just I just wanted to be watching Joey and my dad and other people and I just wanted to be a racer you know until until I got myself a job I couldn't really do that but yeah it's uh, I'm I've I love it. I absolutely love it. So you, so you didn't go the route of schoolboy motocross starting when you were six, seven years old. It, it came much later to you. Yeah, same as same. Not as obviously later, my dad, but I went. My dad, my mum, my mum and dad couldn't afford to. Uh, or they didn't want to get myself into debt and do that. Blah blah blah. So as soon as I got myself a job, my first week's wage went into my first entry for a race meeting, and we went racing. So when I was seventeen, I got my first week's wage and then went straight into an event and we went racing. So. And my, my dad, me and my dad built the bike in the uh, in the shed at the back of the house, out of parts that my dad spare parts my dad had from racing. 
So we uh, it was spiraled out of control from there. So we didn't. So the the race bike didn't cost you anything. No, in no, the first we just we just spares that my dad had kicking about some just wheels, together and, and, went forks and yeah, we just threw it together with my dad's spare engine that he used to have, and then I went racing. How was your first race? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> our our uh, I tell you what, you know, a little track called Tom for now. In yeah. Wales, oh, Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. I never. Went, I went down there kicking sheep shit off a uh, track <laughs> before I went out for practice. <laughs> but yeah, um, um, and my dad were in the race. And me and my dad went obviously in the van, blah blah, with my mum and sister. And I, I actually qualified not too bad. I think I was like second or third row. So I could see my dad, and I thought, oh, I set off, and I was chasing my dad. I think, Jesus, I'm doing well here because obviously I looked up to my dad, and my dad was really good at the time, and he still probably will still is good, but. I was chasing him, chasing him, went into, uh, did completed one lap, went into this like tight right-hander on the circuit. It all, it's, there's no left-handers, it's all right. Went into this tight left-right-hander on the brakes, broke, break, oh, I'll break at the same time as my dad. Broke at the same time as my dad and I ended up on my ass and dad ended up trying, carrying, carrying on a winning race. <laughs> so I ended up crashing my first race, so that was an experience. But yeah, it were, uh, it's uh, from that, like I said, it's all just spiralled out of control. So previous to that, what kind of experience did you have on a bike? I used Anything to have a, a TY8 to Yamaha. Right. I used to ride around on that, and then not far from mum and dad's house is a bit of a like a bit of an industrial estate, not massive, but fairly big. And on a Saturday and a Sunday, we used to go down the gates. Used to be left open, and my dad used to have a bit of chalk, and I had like a little Revengo 50cc thing, mm. like a like a like a mini moto. And my dad used to ride around, and make a track out of chalk, and I used to go scratching with my dad and down at car park, and then that's that's it. Just started from that's there, really. Started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So let's talk, well, let's get on to TT. Obviously, like Steve said earlier, you started at the Manx. How was that experience for you? Uh, like, like I said before, it were uh, something I've always wanted to do. That's what Joy Dunlop did and my dad did and all the people that I look up who t- kind of did. So my first experience with that were finishing the race and just the first lap were just absolutely surreal. It were, put it all in perspective, you go for a newcomer's lap and you follow someone like Steve around an ex-rider or whatever and it's got experience, you follow them round for a lap and you come back in and you get the up to your start, up to the thing and you get your tap on the shoulder and you set off down and it's like fucking hyperspace, you know, <laughs> after you follow this marsh around, you set off on your own, it's like, ah! it's just absolutely surreal. But yeah, the, uh, from then obviously you kind of calm yourself down after that first night and I, I just went there, like I said, it was an holiday for my mum, me and my mum and dad and my sister and we used to, that's what we used to take it as we used to go racing on the night time. We used to have it back in all the during the day. We used to go to the zoo, go to the beach, go for an ice cream, and then we used to go racing on the night time. So I actually did all right, to be fair, my first time there. I think I was fourth in a newcomer's race or whatever. On a, I actually was going to go on a classic bike initially, but one of the local lads from us had a, an R6 that I, uh, I borrowed, and uh, I used that. So, yeah, it were... Uh, yeah, it would, it, like I said, it was just like hyperspace after that first couple of laps, but then it's, it, I just I just really, really enjoyed it. It was crazy. That, you know, the first lap behind the Travelling Marshals are fast laps. It's under, yeah, yeah, under it's not, not, lap not, normally yeah, anyway. Then they're not slow, but when you go on your own, it's just like completely, it's just an, <laughs> otherworldly experience, isn't it? You obviously know yourself, but yeah, it was uh, some experience. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's from that that I just took me the love for the mountain course and uh I just like I said, I just love it. You know, you see, obviously for this year, for 2022 at the TT is a big name. Um, you know, Glenn Irwin's going over. And he's been very loud and noisy saying not what he's going to do, that he's going to kind of be relaxed. However, he's been over there and probably done 70 or 80 laps. You know, was that the kind of way you approached it? I didn't actually, because like I said, my dad used to race there. So I used to go with my dad and my dad used to go do laps in the van with different people and blah, blah, blah. Not He was learning a circuit himself kind of thing. So I used to jump in the van and we used, must have done, like I said, when we were there for two weeks, when we were at the Manx Grand Prix, we, I used to ride around him in the van with my dad and must have done 60, 70 laps like on, on the first time we were there. So I kind of got my experience from what listening to 
people, older races, for example, a guy called Les Trotter that won the Manx Grand Prix a few years ago, or I can't remember what the date was, but I used to go out with him and he used to give exp uh, his uh, expertise or what lines and stuff like that. Then you've got a, play a guy called Watty Brown that, that used to go, I used to follow, dad used to go around with him and there's loads of different people. I used to go, we used to do laps and laps and laps and laps, you know, so I haven't been over for this, possibly had a two-year break now, so I haven't been over yet, but I'm hoping to plan to go over and uh, have a bit of a look myself, you know, or soon, but... Uh, yeah, it's just from the experience of being young and actually being there with my dad and just taking it all in when I was there. So was there never any doubt that you would go into the TT? Obviously, like you said, seeing your dad, there was no thoughts of going short circuit racing? Uh, no, I always, I always, like I said, my dad used to road race, my hero with Joy Dunlop and my idol, and I wanted to do what they wanted to do kind of thing when I was younger. So as soon as I got my national licence and I could go do the Manx Grand Prix, that's what I wanted to go do, and then... The pre TT, this is on the Southern Hundred Circuit, and then yeah. the Northwest and the Ulster Grand Prix and stuff. So it's just what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to uh, want to be. I want to be a road racer. And I never fancied doing the short circuits. I don't go too bad at the short circuits. Just I always want to be a road racer. And how about now? Obviously, we've seen the likes of Hickey coming through. Like Steve just said, Glenn Irwin's coming kind across. Of, yeah, but that sort of question, I kind of look back now and I wish I probably had done a bit more short yeah. circuit racing prior to going to the roads because I think that helps. You know. And, the guys now like Peter and Dean and the top boys, not including on the top boys, they go do a lot of short circuit racing now before they go to the TT. So I think it's something that you need to do to be at the top and as, as good as them kind of thing. So the new team that I'm riding for, hopefully we can get a bit more bit more time on the bikes before we go and then we can, hopefully we can, uh, we can go and do that, do that as well. Do a few BSB Superstock rounds or Supersport rounds, something like that. So we'll just have to wait and see. So let's talk about teams then. Obviously, like I said in the introduction, you're the classic privateer. Yeah, you're doing yeah. it your way, and and it's it really is. And I've I've met you a couple of times, and when I've been over across the TT, I've seen it for myself. It's a family affair. Yeah, everyone's yeah. involved. Yeah, my woman, so everyone everyone comes with me. So tell me about that. What's it like having everybody there? What's it like having this this family unit as a team? It can be a bit frustrating at times. With a five hey, mate, and a listen, five I'm with you there. I'm not, I, obviously, I know your mother. Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm Steve, with you 100%. Flipping it. Well, that's just aggro, isn't it? Proper <laughs> yeah. aggro. It is, to be fair, yeah. No, I've got, <laughs> I, I my mum, mum's obviously a pain in the ass, like she just mentioned. I've got two uh, young kids now as well, so they just run around pulling my hair out and pulling limbs off me every time they can get hold of me. And then, uh, obviously, I've got we've got a big entourage that coming back. My mum and my sister, and that's the, my girlfriend, girlfriend's mum and dad, they come in, the two kids, so it's... Like I said, it's just it's just like it used to be when I used to go with my dad and my mum. It's just a big family affair, you know. So we just they enjoy coming across and watching, and I don't get any aggro from about doing the roads either because a lot of people probably do, you know. So it's I hope, but yeah, it's uh, just a big family affair, and uh, the teams that I've been riding for they like that as well, you know. Just come up to have a bit of a laugh and hopefully get some decent results on the way. So just rewind a little bit from what Chris said with uh, the tap on the shoulder when you when you move forward and go through that arch and or line up to the arch in no man's land, let's say. Is it a breath of fresh air for you, getting rid of your mother and the missus <laughs> yeah. and the kids and everything yeah, else? Or, or is it difficult to... I'm, no, I'm being serious. Or is it difficult <laughs> to leave them, switch wish, off and I move on I wish the races to... were longer, to be fair. But I think I'd see them Oh, yeah, you're talking my <laughs> language. <laughs> no, no, it's... Uh, it, like I said, it, as soon as you get that... As soon as you sit on the bike and you get through that archway and you get a tap, it's just, like I said, it's just a breath of fresh air you know, to get away and then for my kids and stuff. But it's just, just to tackle the mountain course. I love the tackling the mountain course, you know. I don't think it's been released yet, but for this season, for this year, I'm going number one on the Super Twin. I just that is the the pinnacle of the mountain course and the TT races to go on the road and race yourself against the time against the clock. And I can't wait to do that. It's just some it's a a builder 
groundwork, a digger driver from Mebden Bridge, Yorkshire, West Yorkshire. You can't say there's not many people said that they're going off at number one at the TT or from that sort of background. So and I just, I've, I'm just full. That's just a, a be all and end all, you know. Did you push for number one? Is that yeah, I did, something yeah, yeah. you wanted in that class? Yeah, I wanted number one in the class. Just from just from previous uh, previous results, you know, the last time there, 2019, I, every time I went out to practice on the Super Twin on any bike, I used to go on my own and just do my own thing, and I would my times are the fastest I've ever been down there before. Then in 2017, I think it was or 18, I did. Uh, Manx Norton, the first ever person to do 110 mile an hour lap on a single cylinder 500, and that was I was set off number three, but two and one broke down. So for four laps, I was on my Todd. So the option came up with number one, and uh, I wanted number one or number seven because seven's obviously obvious reasons because he's behind Michael, and if you can see Michael in catching, but number one, I just it's a pinnacle of the Ireland TT races, and to get that up or the opportunity to be number one, it's just uh, I can't wait. It's going to be unbelievable. You know, we're worried about obviously you, know, you listen to uh, Hickey or John McGuinness, you know, the, some some of the big winners on the superbikes, and they're not so keen on clearing the clearing the course and getting rid of all the birds, and you know no. that that's what they complain of. But it's yeah. just you're not worried about that at all. No, no, just like I said, it's it's just just the opportunity to be number one and to actually race the mountain course as it should be raced against the time on your own against just yourself unless someone catches you up hopefully they don't catch up because you know you're doing a shit job then but <laughs> if, if you're not number one you go off on your own you're racing the clock you're racing the course you're racing the mountain you know it's just that's what it's the, that is just the, the be all and end all for me you know I know you're very confident you know in that class anyway and, and very very nearly a winner yeah, yeah you must be confident for this year uh, yeah fingers crossed the boys like I said the KHS Racing Power by Stedpan team have worked so hard on the bike over winter to get a bit more power out and a bit more uh, a bit more performance as you say but yeah I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to going back and tackling it I remember you know I interviewed you at the uh, National Motorcycle Museum and you was whinging and whining and you got held up on that uh, in that race as well by some flipping wally in front of you <laughs> and I, I had a bad I had a I had, did have a bad start not a bad start but I was obviously seeded but I was 15 and in the practice we were one in every practice session I think or the fastest person and obviously because you see you don't get moved up so I set off and it were uh, I got passing people, passing people, and I got up to it was number obviously ten of number Peter, or Peter Ritman, and I got I had, this sounds really bad because obviously Peter's the fastest man I ever around there, but I actually got held up by by him for like maybe four or five mile, which lost me that three or four seconds. That Did I you lost tell him? I never told him. I told him that no, but I will tell him eventually. I think he listens to this podcast. Don't yeah, you? if we will. Oh, yeah. yeah, but no, I don't, I don't get held up by him. But if you, you're trying to get past somebody, it's just it was just really difficult. Peter, to be fair to him. I were probably a bit more cautious in the corners where Peter was really, really pushing on. So what I made up on the straights, he might make back up in the corners, you know. Like, I think I caught him going into Ren Cullen over the jump and it goes right, left, right, left, right, left. I went about laughing through there. We were just absolutely on the pipe, like, as you know. And I just I just couldn't get past, but I managed to squeeze past him eventually. But I think that's what cost me the race, you know. But you were, it's just one of them things at the end of the day. It can't, can't be helped. It's a mountain course and it's just what happens sometimes. Yeah, exactly. But you're not worried, of course, you know, being labelled really as one of the fastest guys in that class as having a massive target on your back, being number one. Yeah, but end of day, if, 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 if I'm number one, it, it could have had, it could, I could have been number seven, number six, number three, number two. It still got that label on my back. So just to be able to go out there and do it on my own and just set off, like I said just it's being number one on the at the TT and just it's just like I said before, it's just it's just the pinnacle of the sport, racing the time and racing the course. You know, I can't, I just can't wait. So I, I see you as a as a big bike rider. Um, has your focus changed more to to the super twin now? 
knowing that you are capable of taking that victory there? Uh, not necessarily, no, no. In 2019, we, I did... I think I only did two laps on the bike or three laps maybe on the right. bike and then we parked it up because we knew the pace were there. So I'd, I'd like to class myself as a big bike rider and a 600 rider and a big twin rider, you know. Mm. It's, there's not many people can say they have can ride all three, you know. But uh, the, the super twin, like I said, Steve probably knows as well, sometimes the little bikes, I might not even ride the little bike, I might ride it two, two, two laps in practice and leave it and then just wait till the race and just what happens, happens kind of thing. But yeah. you kind of tend to concentrate on the big bike and I want to try and better myself there as well you know the aim is when I go back there is to go as fast as I or if I can go faster than I was last time over there then I know I've improved you know I don't really look at results I say if I go 131 then I know I've done a better job than I did last time I came you know so that's my aim every time I go back do you do you suffer more jumping from the little bike to the big bike or from the big bike to the little bike uh, probably from the big big bike to the little bike because they don't feel like they're going anywhere no, you have that experience, you know, you get off the big bike and you're doing like 200 a mile an hour or whatever and you get on a 600 and you start there and it's like, is, it, is this thing broken? Is it, it's not, it feel like it's moving very <laughs> is fast. Is it really like that on a, even on a 600? Yeah, it's, it's, it's surreal, is like it? it's mental, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, I think, like I said, if you if you jump from the little, I tend to go, we go the first night of practice, I'll go on the big bike just to frighten myself to death <laughs> and then, then jump off onto the small stuff because then it, everything it's just, else is smaller. Yeah, that, yeah it's just, it just helps, you know. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I kind of feel, I feel that the jumping from the big bike, the, the big bike to the smaller bikes, is, it's easier. But the, from the other way around, I, I never, I've never done that. You know, it's just one of them things. How hard do you find it to get your head up to speed at the beginning of practice week? Uh, this is something I get asked quite regularly because I don't. I go the, the reason why, sorry, the reason why I ask that is because obviously you've got Hickey Harrison, as Chris mentioned, doing BSB and yeah, yeah. kind of buzzing. Around. I know the North S two hundred is before the TT, yeah. but it's still you can't beat mileage. No, no, no I always, I always uh, do the pre TT races before the, which is the weekend before the, or not the weekend. It's actually in the the week of the, the TT because that's where I came from a background classic bike race, and I get, I'm luckily I get to ride some nice bikes with Ted Wolf on the Norton and the three fifty K four. And I go down there, so I kind of think when you go up to that Saturday night uh, and you, you sit off down, or you sit, you sit on the start line, you, you, my brain's already up to speed because mm. I've been down that. Even though the classic bikes and people don't think they go as fast, they are shifting like so. Yeah. Uh, kind of my brain's already up to speed, so it's one less thing that I've got to worry about, kind of thing. If, when you when you sit on that start line, you know your brain's up to speed. You just got to uh, you just got to tackle the mountain course at the end of the day. That's it. <laughs> so let's go back. <clears throat> excuse me, back in time to your TT uh, a year beyond your TT debut, so twenty fourteen. You weren't at the TT? No. Because? I had a massive crash at Tangredy. Ha- what happened? Monumental crash at Tangredy. Yeah, massive. I, uh, it, were, uh, it were late on the practice. On, uh, in Ireland, they do the Friday practice and they have a race, a couple of races on the Friday night and then the Saturday racing all day kind of thing. And then we practiced on the Friday and they had a, a race on the Friday night. But it got a bit, it got a bit dark, really, but... The, the, the organisers went ahead with the race because they asked riders if it was safe to do so. I'm not blaming that, but I had a, I had a dark visor on because in some of the sections, the sun were in your face, so you couldn't see, but in the, the back, when you're going away from the sun, you had a dark visor on. It was obviously not pitch black, but dark. Yeah. So I came into it with a section and just tipped in a bit soon and clipped the grass banking and just absolutely catapulted myself into space and then landed and I broke my leg about 10 places and I dislocated me... Uh, my elbow and took all the ligaments off my elbow so I can't I can't straighten this left arm because right. my ligaments have to be drilled into my arm to, to make sure they work obviously again but yeah I had a monumental crash in 2014 and I had to I took the decision then because I was still only young and still 
uh, coming through kind of thing. I just thought to myself, well, you just need to sit this season out. I know a lot of people try and rush back, but mm -hmm. I took the year out and just got myself right. And, and 2015, obviously, I came back. Yeah. So uh, the reason I asked that is is we go back to that that whole family affair of uh, of everyone going to the TT. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, how does that affect the rest of your family? Was there any point you were like, all right, I will will knock this on the head? Because you'd only just kind of started. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, only, I'd only just got with my last and Sophie as well, so she was a bit that frightened to bugger her as well, to be was fair. Was she into bikes or...? No, she didn't like bikes oh, at all. Right. Dad's into golf, so <laughs> bikes and golf don't go to her. Not really. You'll probably know that. If you ride an enduro bikes in a golf course, you, t you tend to get balls whacked at you. So, it's uh, yeah, so he likes it now, don't get me wrong, she loves it now, but uh, initially when I had this big crash, she was obviously mortified and blah, 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 but which, uh she obviously knows the risks we take or I take and everyone takes really in the paddock at races, the bikes at the TT and then on the road. So unfortunately, it's just one of them things at the end of the day. It's just, it, has to, it just comes with the nature of the, 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 uh, the sport. And it's not like you've, sorry, Steve, it's not like you've not crashed at the TT either. No, I've crashed uh, a, few, a few times. I've got an affinity with uh, Laurel Bank for some reason. I seem to fall off there quite often. And I actually... <laughs> Uh, is there a good pub there or something? No, no, there's no pubs there either. <laughs> it's just shut down one. It's just a bit too far away as well. No, it's. Uh, I had a couple of crashes there at the Manx, and unfortunately, that's probably one of the reasons why I lost the Manx. You know, because I fell off there, and knocked myself unconscious, and obviously you can't ride for four or five days. You know, so it's. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's I've only fallen off twice there, but I don't want to fall off again. And does Sophie put you under any pressure at all to knock it on the head? No, no, she never. never. She never said anything to me. No, so like I said, I'm lucky in that aspect. You know, she. I think it have been, might have been a bit different if I'd been with her before and then started racing, you know. But because I've been racing, she's kind of come into my life and and I've kind of brought along in on the in the journey. And she's she's never said anything about you need to stop that because it's dangerous. She just lets me get on with it, which is uh, lucky in some respects. Because obviously, some a lot of riders and partners don't get on. Uh, they don't appreciate or they don't like uh, the whole road racing thing. Blah blah blah, and it's a bit shit. But yeah, I'm lucky in that respect. So then fast forward beyond that, you get yourself repaired, you get yourself back up to fitness. 2017 and 18, kind of breakthrough years for you where, yeah, you, yeah. where you claimed your first top 10. Yeah, yeah, Did yeah. you feel like you'd started to make progression, you got used to the course and you were you were ready to kind of tackle it and take on the uh, the top boys at the yeah, TT? Yeah, that's when it's uh, 2000, I think 2015 or 16, maybe, I think, or 17. I was still running, my, or 16, I think it was. I was still running my own team. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a Fireblade, a Kawasaki 600 and uh, a little Super Twin then. And we were fighting for, I don't know how, we were fighting for the Privateer Championship. And uh, I, I ended up losing out uh, just to Dan Hegarty then. And mm -hmm. uh, I kind of, from then it kind of thought, well, like, I, I, I feel like I can actually have a decent go at this kind of thing now. And then luckily I got signed up for a team and they had some better bikes and with better bikes becomes more pace and be better better mechanics and stuff like that. And then you're not having, you don't have the pressure sorting the bikes out yourself, going for to get your tyres and picking up your fuel. You just get to concentrate on the job kind of thing. So it's from, from then when you kind of can concentrate on yourself and do a lot more fitness and blah, 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 where you kind of improve, you know. I bet you're at a loose end then, going from doing everything to yeah, then people doing it around you. you, you it must be. You kind of are, but at the end of the day, like I said, to be where I am now, you need kind of need that mentality where you can... The lads that I'm working for, they you trust them and they work on your bike and they change, make the changes and you can go off and... You can do your own thing, kind of thing, and just forget about it, you know. And like I said, for the TT, actually, I got my family there. So during the day, we might, I, I can't, we, st we stop in a house and I can't do a 
getting up in the morning and for two weeks you can't i can't go to bed looking at a bike and then wake up in the morning looking mm -hmm. at a bike so i think to get away from it and have a bit of a break it's it helps you know so we go with the kids to the zoo one that we go maybe to the car for man for something to, for a bit of breakfast or whatever and just kind of forget about the event until bit like that mid-afternoon then we think right shit i've got to put my leathers back on again now yeah. and go racing <clears> home but not shit but i think yeah i need to get ready now and get myself psyched up from what you said earlier, I thought he was going to say you'd take the kids back to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wish I could leave them there. <laughs> but... <laughs> with, with that, you know, with... Mom, leave my mum at the zoo as well. <laughs> during, you know, uh, during the off-season, you, you'll obviously have your Peter Hickmans, your Dean Harrisons, and they'll be negotiating their deals for the following year, um, you know, to do obviously the, the, the international roads of TT and, and the other events as well. But also, they'll be desperate to be pushing to do short circuit, BSB and so on. So for you, with with your with your teams, you know, over the last few years, privateer teams, because you always they're always very very well turned out and look the part. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's your, what do you sit down and say to them that you want to do for the following year? Well, it's difficult because, like I said, I've, I've I've just joined this team, the KTS Racing Power by Step Plan team for this season, and they've had to they spent like most of this year building bikes or. We've only just recently just been out on the bikes at short circuit level just to do any racing. So I've never had that like consistency of being in the same team. I've uh, jumped from uh, 17, I were uh, for riding for a team called Radcliffe Racing, and 18, I rode for Penn's 13, 19, I rode for Prez Racing, and now I'm with this, you know, this team now. So it's I'm hoping now we're, I'm in a team that we really gel, we get on really well, the whole team, and we've got a lot of good sponsors on board and stuff, and I'm hoping. Maybe after this season, into next season, we can look at doing some, like I said, BSB Superstock or Supersport. Just to, unfortunately, we might not get there this year before the TT because it's it's just so tight on time with bike builds and blah blah blah. But hopefully now we've got the foundations there, we can maybe for maybe two or three years work on something and go do some short circuits and stuff. So they can kind of know what what they want to do and what I want to do. So we we kind of work under the same like hymn sheet kind of thing. So it's a uh, Hopefully, like I said, after we get the, we get this season out there, we can look and plan to do a bit more, like I said, with like the Peter and Dean do a short circuit. So we'll try and do that, I think. Just tell us a little bit, you know, um, give us a sales pitch. Tell us a little bit about their background, the team, and who they are and what they do and where they're from. Yeah, it's a, a team called, they're called KTS Racing, powered by Stead Plant. Uh, is a, a lad called Stanley Stewart, who uh, he's thrown a bike into the mix as well in R6. But the Kevin and Simon actually uh, sponsored Dan Cooper, and Dan Cooper rode their Super Twins for maybe six or seven years. And then I think it was 19, they decided uh, to ride a, run a second rider, uh, which was me, luckily enough. And then at the Northwest, we had Glenn Irwin and myself and Dan at the TT and blah, blah, blah. So they've been around the paddock a long time. Kevin's obviously, uh, he's the owner of the team. Uh, uh, this a guy called Simon Bleasdale, who's uh, he's an ex-crew chief at uh, MotoGP level. Uh, we've got... Uh, I said Kevin and Simon. We've got Jim, who's the step plan owner, the step plan sales to company. He's throwing a big lump in to help out with the team and contribute towards. So we've got a good, like I said, we've got a good set of lads, and they've been around a long time. Even though they've been under Dan, Dan Cooper Motorsport for a long time, now they've kind of stuck a big step up and luckily put the faith in me to run, uh, run, run myself on their bikes. And they built, like I said, they built me an R1. Stanley's uh, provided his R6 to the team, which the team are working on and getting ready for the uh, TT in the Northwest. And then obviously we've got the big the, the, the super twin as well, you know. So it's a big, uh, like I said, it's a big. I come with my family and with the team itself, it's like a big family affair with them, you know. We had a good laugh and crack a few jokes and take piss out of each other, you know. It's just how it should be, you know. That's what I enjoy about with, with the team. It's 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 mint. So it's a, it's a professional team, no <laughs> doubt, but it's not as you know, it's not as big as as the likes of the, no, you no, know, no, the no, factory no. Honda team. 
Um, do you feel like you're at a disadvantage? Because it's slightly different, or at least it feels from looking in, that you don't need to be on the factory bike to win at a TT. Do you f- but do you feel like you're at a disadvantage because you're not getting paid like the other riders, or do you feel with the right bike, the right situation, you can... I find it. It's the only thing I find really difficult about it is when you, like I said, you go from the northwest and to the TT. For example, myself, I've I finished work on on the Friday before northwest. On the Friday night, I drive up to Simon's or Kevin's, and we go across the northwest, mm-hmm. do the northwest, and on the on the Sunday or the Monday or after the Saturday race in the northwest, I go back to work. You know, whereas the people I'm actually competing with now, they get to go and I don't know what they do. They just, I don't. They, they don't have to go to work. They, they've yeah. got. They just go and concentrate on getting themselves ready and fit kind of thing, ready for the, the TT, whereas I've got to go, not just me, there's obviously other riders that, that do the same thing, but I find it difficult jumping, uh, going for the North West, then straight back to work, and you just don't get time to recover and get your, uh, just come back to like normality, you know, it's just difficult that way. But for the bike for the bike side of things, it's there's not much difference between a Privateer bike nowadays cause mm-hmm. the, and, the, and the, the big, the big super bikes, you know, because there's, I think, a, a normal super stock bike now is another you know, 200 and, like, Five, you know, ten brake horsepower, and the superbike maybe two hundred and twenty. So there's, there's there's hardly any difference between them, you know. So and you get some advantages on the superstock bike. You get traction control and anti wheeling and all that stuff. With the superbike, you don't. So it's there's lots of negatives and positives. But I think with the and then obviously the other things with the, with the factory backing and stuff like that, you've got to keep the the manufacturers happy and blah blah mm-hmm. blah. But it's running your own team. It's kind of what the team guys say goes kind of thing you know it's, it's it's sometimes it's easier and sometimes it can be worse you know but we are getting a little bit of help from Yamaha this year on the R1 and the R6 or raceways and such so yeah so it's uh this season it should be it should be good you know it's it's uh it, we're looking forward to it yeah you're clearly a northern lad who, who obviously works hard would you like the opportunity to not have to go back to work on the Monday morning yeah, yeah, it's been discussed with the team many <laughs> yeah. times, but it's, it's at the moment because it's been so fresh a new team. It's they don't have that sort of backing and they that, that sort of support. It would be nice to for maybe a couple of seasons just to do it professionally, you know, getting <clears throat> actually going to and looking after yourself properly, you know, and being, eating the right foods and being able to diet, like a proper dietitian and just mm-hmm. be doing it properly. You know, it'd be nice to see what I can achieve at that sort of level. And, not that I'm doing a bad job now, you know. I'm a, no, 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 no. a ground worker, digger, driver, or whatever, and eating bacon, bacon, egg sandwiches on a Monday or Friday morning. It's not good, is it? For you know, especially fish and chips on a Friday. Fast, fish and chips Friday. You know, he knows the rules. But uh, it's uh, you can't really you can compete with them sort of people that are professional, but it's it's difficult because you don't get that sort of uh, relaxation and the rehabilitation you need from going from one event to another. I want to know how Steve knows about fish and chip Fridays. You've hey, never mate. done a day's graft in your life, have Get you? Get out, show me your hands. Look at those <laughs> flipping things. What do you do, pick flowers with them? <laughs> flipping it, boy. I'll tell you, you what, know, I had 10 years on the... And even back through COVID, I was back on the trail. Oh, yeah, you did say that. I'm sorry. Get in. <laughs> Go and wash your mouth out, young man. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> so let's talk 2022 and the future. Obviously, we are only a matter of weeks away now from, from the TT. Are you already signed to think about it now like you said you've not been across there but you're heading over there to, to do some laps yeah I'm hoping uh, I'm away this weekend racing on the, the bikes and I think there's a weekend break uh, I'm going to try and get over to the Isle of Man then and do a few laps I think and uh, I'll take my car over and just ride round and round and round in circles to get my brain up to speed but like I said before we were discussing before we started doing a podcast I've been doing a lot of swifting and cycling on a night time when I can get time and uh, I've got myself a little iPad like Steve's got there and I just I put onboard videos on of the TT and just try and refresh your brain and talk my way through laps and, and I just try and keep as fresh as you can you know it's just it's the only way I can really do it obviously working and with the, on the bike 
blowing out my ring and then watching the watching the uh, watching the on board. Who's on board the award? I was just gonna ask that. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. I knew you were gonna ask that. The best, uh, Steve Shaw. Best one I, I like watching, or the one I like watching the most is uh, John McGuinness from 2015. I think it's the the senior TT, the, the opening lap. That one's a fantastic lap. Is that? It's uh, to be fair, it's, it's a few. It's hard to say this, but he just make a few mistakes in a few places. And we're watching. It's a couple. He was of, pushing really hard. Pushing there, yeah. really, obviously pushing really hard, but he. Uh, there's a few downshifts, too many downshifts in a few places and not enough downshifts in a few places, but don't get me wrong, that's the one of the best laps I've ever seen. So, Steve, you'll be able to answer this as well. When you're watching on board, are you simply just watching it going, right, he's now at such and such, he's at Quarry Bridge, he's, he's here, he's there, or are you going, right, I'm in, I'm in second gear here, I'm accelerating through, I'm pushing, I'm letting the bike run out wide, and then there's, there's my marker that I'm looking for. How does, yep. it, how does it work? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you're looking for the differences in how you would approach that that particular section, you know, because mm-hmm. every section has got a really important point where you need to get the throttle open and, and run. Cause it's all about momentum there, you know. Yeah. Um, so you're looking for the difference between you you and them. Some places you're better, you know, but other places you're considerably or can be considerably worse. So you kind of just take notes from them as well. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Very much, especially if you're on the same machinery. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, like Steve said, I just. I can sit there sometimes on a night time and just talk my through. I've got like tipping in points and marker points that I look for on the circuit. So for like three or four laps or whatever, I just just keep repeating it and I just I just talk my way through a lap. So when I go back, I can think when I ride along that straight, you think right, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that kind of thing, I'm looking for this, and you need to tip in at that bush or you head out towards that lamp post to tip in and blah blah blah. It's just so you just so your brain's kind of ready to go kind of when when we get back there. Do you have any weird? Markers along the track because obviously there's lampposts, there's there's hedges and bushes. But is there any anything strange that you look for? Gorsley is one for me. Gorsley is lamppost on the left hand side. It's the third. I think it's either the second or the third lamppost. I need to check. There's some like uh, wooden post on the side of the track where the people lean over the hedge. Yeah. You come into there, you can kind of see them lampposts, and I think it's one, two, three, and you tip into Gorsley. So that's something a bit peculiar you're looking for when I'm riding along. You know. Is that the same. Have you got any, Steve? I've got. I've got a, a full sheet on here of every reference point around the TT. Have you? If you don't, if you write it, you remember it. But are they are they just normal markers? But yeah, to answer your question, sorry, it's not Chris. Like yeah, a, you don't to, go to answer like, your question, it's, no. it's Judith's Judith's back door or whatever. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I, tip, I have to tip in here. I have to shut um, up here. No, you I'll, know it has I'll to be. I didn't know it was Judith. Is that's why I want to know. You spent a lot of time on the album. You. you <laughs> You have to be it actually obviously it has to be something fixed that doesn't yeah, move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but pretty much no, it's something that stands out and is going to be there f- forever, really. Yeah. You know, um, so there's nothing abnormal. You know, and obviously uh, it can't be shrubbery or stuff particularly because it moves, it mm. it gets broken down, it gets burnt, whatever. But uh, so nothing, nothing abnormal. But probably the abnormal side of it is realistically is it's a lot of the markers are so far away, especially on the mountain section. Yeah. And if you're not looking, it's just a tiny little dot in the distance. But if you're not looking at that, you're in a whole world of hell. And how will it change? Will it change now? Because they've done a lot of resurfacing. So is there any points on the road that you use as reference as well? Not particularly, no. Grades it's just something like, a, like, said, like a lamppost or there yeah. might be like a bollard or something on the mountain or something like that, blah, blah, blah. But there's it's a few places for looking from the Twitter on the, uh, Facebook. There's photos from like maybe, I think it's uh, Renkull, not Renkull, uh, Glen Tramon, but they've pulled a lot of trees down. And it looks make it normally it's quite dark in there and it quite looks quite compact. Now mm. it looks like they've pulled all the trees out. It's gonna be quite open and light and bright, you know. So it's, when we go back in a couple of or when I go back, I need to that's something that you got to look for, you know, when you go when you when you're doing your laps. So I remember 2019, for example, Crosby uh, through uh, the fast left uh, up to Crosby, the pub on the right hand side. There were like a 
you used to just be like relying with bushes. In 2019, there were uh, like a construction site, they were building houses, and you're flying through there and you're thinking, not where you are, because obviously you know where you are, but yeah. it's but oh, that's a bit bizarre. Why, like, why is it so bright there, kind of thing? Because cause obviously they pulled all the trees down, it made it open and uh, clear, kind of thing. So it was that a bit off putting at first, but obviously your brain, you, you get used to it eventually. Yeah. Do, do you like those sections? The fast, flat out, big jumps? I'm talking Crosby, Balakrai, you know, the, those kind of areas, or would you prefer to have two no, wheels on the ground? Two wheels on ground, me, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the big, the big, the jumps and stuff like that are a bit, can be a bit off putting, you know, but it's, uh, I, I tend to like keeping wheels on the floor and just, uh, the, I've kind of, the technical stuff I kind of like a bit better, you know, the mountain especially, you know, because it's, Similar to where I live, you know, the, it's the mountain road up there, over the, uh, they call it Cockhill where we live, it's it's very similar to the actual mountain course, you know, or the mountain road, so it's uh, I, I do like the mountain a lot. So 2022 TT, what are your, what are your expectations, what are you hoping to to get out of it? Obviously, you've you've broke that 130 mile an hour uh, marker, so obviously you want to you want to get faster. No yeah, doubt, yeah. But what, what will you leave the island happy with? Like like I said before, my, when, I, when I go to the TT, every time I've gone back to the TT, if I can go... Faster than was when I was last time I was there. Then I'm I'm doing a good job, you know. I'm going in the right direction. So I always tend to just look at my lap times, my pace from the races, and blah blah blah. And if I've gone better than I was in 2019, then I I go I go on upper. But it's going to be difficult, obviously, oh. this, this season because of two years out. You know, it's it's a big. It's going to be a bit of a eye opener and a bit of a wake up call for me. I'll go back, you know, because it's been it's a long time not riding around the, the TT course, you know. And I think it's going to shock a few people. I think I'm going to give you the myself. real answer for that now. Go right, on. so. Especially on the Super Twin, he's going there and he wants to win that race 100% and he wants to tell, show all them factory boys you don't need fairy lights on your bikes to flip and win races. <laughs> no, he's right. I said, you, I want, you want to, obviously, the, the main aim when you go racing is to win a race, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah. But I always look at the TT in a different aspect because it's just, it's against the time, you know. So if you're going faster, you're going moving up the leaderboard. So if I can go faster than I was then last time, then I'm doing a good job. But here's the question though would you, would you rather go faster, 131, 132, but finish out of the top 10? Uh, or go 130 and finish in the top if you, 10. If you're going, but if you are going faster, then you, you will be further up the, in, inside the top 10. So but everyone might go. Everyone else might yeah, go. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Or would you rather go 135 mile an hour in the senior? I'd rather do 135 mile an hour in the senior and win or, the thing. Or win, well, yeah. <laughs> or win the super twin. What would you rather do? Oh. Go faster on the. Go faster overall, or or take your first win. First win would be nice, obviously, but it's. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's a difficult answer. You can't really answer it because obviously you want to go faster, but then you yeah. want to win. So it's a uh, a win would be lovely. You know, it's one of them things to to see you've done the TT. I've won around the TT course and in the, the, the classic TT, but it's uh, to win an actual the actual TT will be a, a dream come true. If you won it, would you would you call it a day or would that motivate you to, probably, to carry on? I think it probably motivate you more to carry on. I think. <laughs> It sounds wrong, but yeah. it probably does, you know. Your missus probably didn't want to hear that. No, definitely not, no. <laughs> and Steve didn't want to hear that because he'll have to see my mum again for another few years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah. is, is everyone going to let you just win? Let him go. Yeah, let yeah. him go. <laughs> I was thinking earlier, he could have won at least 10 TTs, but when he's on his last lap, he just rolls off across the mountains. He's like, I don't want to get home just yet. I'm just going to run away. Keep going, Extra keep five going, minutes keep I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Steve. Right. I've got ten quick fire questions for you. Okay. Now you can only answer one or the other. Right. Okay. There's no explanation needed or wanted. Right, okay. Lager or bitter? Lager. Pineapple or no pineapple on pizza? No pineapple. Yorkshire or Isle of Man? Oh, that's careful. West Yorkshire or Isle of Man? West Yorkshire. West Yorkshire. <laughs> Supersport or lightweight? Oh lightweight. Hutchie or Michael Dunlop? 
uh, Dunlop. Slicks or treads? Treads. <clears throat> Balasgari or Gorse Lee? Gorse Lee. TT Pillion Rye with McGuinness or Hickey? McGuinness. Hmm. Best mate Stag do or your mother's 70th birthday bash? She must be, she must be 70. <laughs> Easy. Uh, uh, best mate Stag do. I was going to say 70th birthday because it probably would be a better party. Right, last one, number 10. Marrying the love of your life, Sophie, mother to your two kids or a senior TT win? Senior TT win. Go oh, get in there, my son. These are just coming. That's a de- Jamie's, determined now, life. Jamie's now single. Yeah, we've, got spare, we've got a spare bedroom with your guys. <laughs> Jamie, it's been an absolute pleasure. We uh, we wish you all the success, and we'll obviously we'll see you out in uh, in a couple of weeks yeah, on the TT. Thank you very much, boys. Hey, Thanks good luck, me. mate. Cheers. Thank you very much. Steve, he's, um, he's, he's still a little bit bitter about not taking that victory. Do you think he's got one in him this year? I really do. Yeah. Especially on the lightweight. You know, I mean, he's, he is 100% he's faster on the smaller bikes than the big bike at the moment. But, um, yeah, he, he, he's proved, uh, you know, um, how fast he is on the lightweight. Um, I think he's going to be there. He's, he's starting number one. He's proud of that. But pretty much, I think that's pretty much to get his head down and try and clear off. What's your predictions for for the big bike for him? Hey, that's a tough one to answer because obviously, you know, the boys have had three years off. They've missed two years at the TT. So, you know, there's going to be a few rusty people. Some say not. Hickey says not. Mm-hmm. He, he thinks they'll be straight back on the pace. But for me, some of these guys are going to be just a little bit rusty here and there. And if, and hopefully, I'm touching wood here, that we get good weather all practice week, that will certainly help things. However, if the conditions aren't so great practice week, then some of those boys are going to be rusty going into the first race. So we'll have to wait and see. Oh, sitting on the fence. This has been episode 10 of the TT Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then please hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to these podcasts. We have plenty more star-studded names from the world of the TT on the way for you in this series. Until then, don't forget you can get all the latest TT news and features over at iomttracers.com and be sure to check us out on all the usual socials. We are at TT Racers Official. Thanks for listening.